0: I'm um, Glad I'm here. Yeah. <coughs> drove my wife and I drove up to have dinner with another couple. After that, ended up like, like, in the and, Man, all the way up. This is number thunderstorm. Incredible thunderstorms. actually two cars spun out, okay. uh, into the ditch, right before us. And okay. Okay. Still sitting in their car. just how they were made. And then all the way back last night, there was like pounding rain. Like, Dan was like laboring against the wind. Like, Man, this cool. I love fishing. It. <laughs> you know? In the morning, I got up, it was so muggy and hot. I had to put air conditioner in at night, it was like in the 40s. Was more in the heat and it was got down to like 40. We were at the restaurant. It didn't get quite as cold, cool down here. So, I don't know. I think it's great. All right. Do you agree? Yeah. You like it? All right. Well, I have uh, uh, something I'd like to share this morning. Uh, The Word of God. Would you join with me uh, in prayer? Ask that question. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We love worship, Lord. We love coming into your uh, gates with thanksgiving and into your church with praise that your word declares. And and Father, we believe that uh, your word is the way that changes us. You use your word to transform us. And so we ask. That our hearts and minds would be open to your word, and we would be changed by it this morning, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, "Amen." Amen. All right. Last week I started the series, and uh, the series is "How God Leads." So what's the name of the series? "How God Leads." All right. So the idea is some ways. So this is probably you know not all of the ways, but I'm going to cover three specific ways through which God leads uh, a people uh, in the way that he wants them to go. And lastly, we talked about revelation, and that it is biblical that in the New Testament and throughout all of Scripture, that God leads through supernatural revelation. And so through dreams, and visions, to uh, inspiration while you're reading scripture, uh, so there can be supernatural things, there can be just supernatural understanding of God's word, that the Bible is the number one and only authoritative source of revelation, but that God also uses in the Bible It talks about, uh, so biblical, that he uses things for specific issues in our lives like dreams and visions if we submit them to the Bible and also the leading by hearing God's voice talked about that quite a bit. Last week, you can get the, uh, you can download the MP3. Pretty cool. From our website. You know know what MP3s are. (laughs) Uh, We went from cassette to CD, now MP3. But this morning, we're going to look at the second way, and that is conviction. So the first way is by revelation, and the second way is by conviction. If you would, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Uh-huh, and saying, "Listen, Adam, you've always been to obeyed when I was there with you, but now even more, after you're no longer living in that city with them." Then he goes on. He says, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." Everybody, tremble. to work on that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. The, the, the way through which God leads, I'm talking about today, I'm using the word through conviction, is that God leads us through our conviction. And by, the, by using the term conviction, I don't want it to be confused, or, or simply think of it in terms of when we feel convicted about sin or convicted about doing something wrong. That's often how that word is used. Right? I'm under conviction. I feel like I've done something wrong. Well, that's, that's part of how that word is used. I'm rather using it more in the sense of uh, a more general and positive understanding of the word of what you believe to be true and right, okay? what you're convinced of. And so your convictions in life. And so does that make sense? All right, we're talking about our convictions, what we believe to be true and right, and God leads us through our convictions, So, uh, and it's actually our convictions uh, that cause us to, at times, if we violate those convictions, to feel convicted. All right? And so those, that emotion or that feeling of feeling convicted is when we have violated something that we believe to be right or true, and that produces the feeling. But there's a difference there. And God leads us to our conviction. And this applies, conviction applies, when we talk about our convictions, from everything from abstract ideas, All right, you can have conviction about something abstract, such as you know, the merits of one political system over another. How many, how many know, sometimes people get opinionated about that? <laughs> have you ever run into somebody? <laughs> uh, <thank> you, are the person. <laughs> you know, and that's good. You can, you can be convinced, and you ought to be convinced. Alright, and even if someone disagrees with you, they ought to be convinced. You want people to be, you know, the, you know, the thing they have an opinion. They, they believe something to be true, and even if they're wrong, or at least they... They're on the path, right? They're thinking about it. They've worked out something. And that's where uh, healthy dialogue can help people work through issues and find out, you know, how to get even better or more right. <clears throat> but it also, we have convictions about general abstract things and convictions about specific practical things like daily discipline. All right? Maybe even something like, you should brush your teeth every day. How many believe that? How many don't believe that? <laughs> How about more than once a day, okay? Come on. Uh, you know, or whatever it may be. And reading your Bible. Uh, uh, daily disciplines are, are the result of something that you believe to be true, something you're convinced of. Well, in this scripture, in Philippians chapter 2, the scripture we just read, Paul uses two different Greek words that are both... Translated into the English as "work," okay? To so work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. So the word "work" is used in association with us, what we are to do, and what God does. But in the Greek, it's actually two completely different Greek words, and so sometimes it helps to understand uh, <clears throat> what is meant by those words. And you know how you find out? Look up in the dictionary. Can you imagine that. <laughs> uh, but helps have a special dictionary for Bible. But uh, in verse twelve, it says, "Work out your own salvation." And the word here is, is is very clear. It's not ambiguous. It's unambiguous command that tells us we are responsible for working out our own salvation. Guess what? No one else can do this for you. And you can't do it for someone else. You can't work out someone else's salvation. Even if you love them dearly. Even if they're your kid. Or they're your parent. Or they're your spouse. And and no one can work out your salvation for you. Alright? It's your responsibility. You can do like we can preach the gospel. Jesus said that this gospel will be preached at the ends of the earth, he said that this week, that? and then the end will come. But we can't work it out in someone's individual life. They have to work it out. And the word is, uh, uh, the Greek word means to accomplish or to perform. It means to actually do something. Say do something. It just means to perform. It means to perform an act of accomplishment. And that work is clearly commanded by the scripture in this verse that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the word that is associated with God, it says in verse 13, for it is God who works in you. This also is very clear, unambiguous, concerning uh, what and how we are to work out. Okay, what are we supposed to work out? Well, we work out what God has worked in us. And this is the Greek word energio, okay, from which we get the word, yes, energy, energy. <laughs> all right? And so it literally means to, the, to be active, it means uh, to be mighty, it means to put forth power, all right? Put forth power, and so, uh, God's power has been worked in us, and we are responsible to work out what God has worked in us. I'm going to read two quotes from two different commentaries, and um, I just, you know, this is one of those situations where they word it so well, I, I got to read this to you, and bear with me, uh, if you would. Again, both of these commentaries were written... A while ago, so the phraseology is a little different. First one is uh, James and Faust Brown <coughs> commentary. It says, uh, concerning this verse, For it is God who worketh in you, oh, and then he said the fine answer, all, meaning always present with you, though I be absent. It is not said, in the verse doesn't say, Work out your own salvation, though it is God, etc., but because it is God. All right? He doesn't say, work out your own salvation, though God is the one really doing the work. He doesn't say that. He says, work out your own salvation because, the idea is, because God is working in you both the will and the power to work. Being the first installment of His grace to encourage us to make full proof of and carry out to the end the salvation which He first worked and is still working in us, enabling us to work it out. Okay, so it starts with God, and He's still working in us, enabling us to work it out. It says, well, the commentator actually quotes another person, St. Bernard, uh, and it says, our will does nothing thereunto without grace, but grace is inactive without our will. Mm. That's worthy of reading again. Our will does nothing thereunto without grace, but grace is inactive without our will. Man is in in different senses entirely active and entirely passive. God producing all, and we acting all. What he produced, uh, what he produced is our own acts. It is not God. Uh, it is not that God does some and we do the rest. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. That God does something we do the rest. God does all, and we do all. God is the only proper author. We are the proper actors. Isn't that a great analogy? Right? Ha! I love that. I get goosebumps. God's the author, right? And we're the actors. We're acting out God's will. Thus, the same thing in scriptures, in Scripture are represented as from God and from us. God makes a new heart, and we are commanded to make us a new heart. Not merely because we must use the means in order to the effect, but the effect itself is our act and our duty. Our act is the effect of God's grace, if you want to ponder that. Here's another commentary part on the same uh, verse. It says... Uh, for it is God which worketh in you. Every holy purpose, highest resolution, good word, and good work must come from Him. Ye must be workers together with Him, that you receive not His grace in vain, because He worketh in you. Therefore, work with Him and work out your own salvation. On the phrase to will and to do. The power to will and the power to act must necessarily come from God, who is the author both of soul and body and of all their powers and energy. But the act of volition and the act of working come from man. God gives power to will. Man wills through that power. God gives power to act. Man acts through that power. Without the power to will, man can do nothing. Without the power, man can do nothing. Without the power to work, man can do nothing. God neither wills for man nor works in man's stead. See, that's a key point. God's not going to do it for you. Alright? But He furnishes him with the power to do both. He He, the man, every human being, is therefore accountable to God, or accountable, or answerable, we will appear before Him for these powers. Because God works in them the power to will and the power to do. Therefore, the apostle exhorts them to work out their own salvation, most manifestly showing that the use of the power, the power of volition, and action belong to themselves. This is your responsibility. They cannot do God's work. They cannot produce in themselves the power to will and to do. And God will not do their work. He will not work out their salvation with fear and tremor. Same thing that the other commentator said. Though men have grievously puzzled themselves with questions relative to the will and power of human beings, yet no case can be uh, plainer than that which we lays down here. The power to will and do comes from God. The use of that power belongs to man. He that has not got this power can the will nor work. Alright? He that has this power can do both, but it does not necessarily... Follow that he who has these powers will use them. The possession of the powers does not necessarily imply the use of those powers, because a man or a woman might have them and not use them, or even abuse them. Okay? Therefore, the apostle exhorts, "Work out your own salvation." This is a general exhortation that may be applied to all men, or uh, to all that is applicable. There not being a rational being on the face of the earth. Who has not from God the power to will and act for the things which concern the salvation, hence the accountability of man? So he can debate some of that, but uh, <clears throat> I find it very powerful to understand that the power comes from God uh, and that we therefore are responsible to work out to accomplish, to perform, using that power. Without God's power, we are un- unable, incapable, and un- unworthy. We can't attain God's will apart from God, but with God's power, we still have that volition and are commanded to work out our own salvation. <laughs> all right, so what does that have to do with how God leads? Everything, all right? Because God leads through our conviction, uh, through our what we're convinced to be true and right, and we have the responsibility to work out that salvation, to to perform it, to accomplish it according to that scripture. So the word will uh, means to just to be resolved, to be determined, to have that purpose, that desire, or that wish. It also means it can be translated to love. All right. So God gives us not only the will, but these are our desires. Our, 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 our purpose, our, our passions, if you will, uh, things that we take pleasure in, <clears throat> that is, uh, all of those things are what I am talking about in, when I use the term conviction. It's what we believe to be true, it's what we're passionate about, it's what we purpose, that's the will, it's what we intend uh, to accomplish, what we're resolved about, what we desire, and what we love. Amen. What we take pleasure in. So, how does that fit into uh, um, how God leads us? You may have asked yourself. Some people ask themselves on Sunday morning. You know, God, do you want me to go to church this morning? You know, woke up this morning. God, what do you think? You know, Father, do you want me to go to church? What church should I go to? What if I went to Third Reform? I really like Pastor. Do I have five options? Can I go to Third Reform? Right? Huh? Why not?
1: Because
0: I need to be here? So do I have to wake up on Sunday morning? Do I have to go, oh, gosh, stop is it God's will for me to go to the church on Sunday morning? Do you think I ask myself that on Sunday morning? Why not? Because I already know what God's will. It's kind of like a done deal. We settled this. A long time ago. Sunday, I'm at church, because it's the Lord's day, and it's when we gather together. It doesn't mean it's the only time I uh, gather believers. I gather believers all the time, but Sunday, this day, I'm here. It's settled. All right, so... It's our, I'm convinced of them, uh, and that doesn't just apply to the pastors. Okay. <laughs> Taking a hint. <hand. laughs> all right. How about God? Uh, do you want me to love my wife and kids today? <coughs> this may be. This one may be a little how more comfortable know, and a little easier to stick in. Can you people about Jesus today? Is that better? You're all... I'll let you. Yes, okay. So, you just keep that one then? Yeah. All right. Here you go. Thank you, No You're sweetie. What is your will? Do you want me to continue to the next level? Is that all right? You know, the kids you just picture a big banana coming out of heaven and going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To see like, wake up. Most, perhaps, uh, many, perhaps most of the questions we ask God concerning life decisions, how to be led by God, are matters of conviction and not revelation. I don't need a revelation from God to, come to God. I don't need a revelation from God. I've already got it. Clear in His Word. Okay? I've been, been convinced it's one of my convictions. Okay? And so, things that we are convinced of, things that are clear in His Word, are uh, uh, things that, have, that God leads me through that. And that's why it's important to have our convictions be based in Scripture. I'm going to get into that in a minute. So we're comparing three different ways God leads. Revelation is significant, but what if uh, what would be the right thing to do if a revelation from the Holy Spirit conflicted with a, a heartfelt conviction? What if you felt Led to do something, you felt convinced, convicted to do something, but you, there was a revelation, maybe a respected prophet, someone prophesied over and told you to do something different. Yet, this actually happened to Paul. It happened a number of times in the Scripture. Let me just read this. and try to do this quickly. Uh, Acts chapter twenty-one. Is this all right? Yeah, I Acts 21, 4 it says, and um, finding disciples who stayed there seven days, they told Paul, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not to go up to Jerusalem. If okay. Paul was going to Jerusalem, the disciples, prophets in this city said, do not go through the Spirit, not the flesh. Okay. This was the Holy Spirit word. Don't go to Jerusalem. Verse 10 It says, And we stayed many days, and a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound in his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the way in to his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when he had heard these things, when Paul had heard these things, um, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, Paul, not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be found, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, I will be done, Lord. (laughs) And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. All right, Paul had a conviction that he was to go to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem, everybody told him not to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit, according to the scripture I just read, told him not to go to Jerusalem. But, what did he do? I'm sorry, what did he do? What well, was he, obeying God or disobeying God? There you go, Dan. that. I'm not this is what I get when people talk about contradictions and Bibles. They don't even know where the real ones are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want contradictions? I can show you some contradictions. I can't even answer them. I can answer this one. Chapter <laughs> 23, verse 11. This is after he's already there. Uh, 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 had he been arrested and, and he's already been arrested now in Jerusalem. It says, but the Lord. Uh, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, "Be of good cheer, Paul, for you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness uh, in Rome." Okay. And so the conclusion here is, I mean, God showed up after he was arrested and said, "You know what? Be of good cheer. You You did what I told you to do in Jerusalem." And now I'm going to further that. I'm going to further your purpose in life and take you to Rome, uh, which, you know, opened up Paul's ministry uh, substantially, right? And so Paul followed his conviction, even though certain revelations seemed to contradict. He was convinced uh, that this was what God had told him to do and nothing was going to stop him. And so you have to, um, the basic point is that conviction has greater authority than revelation if that conviction, conviction is based on the word of God. Are you understanding there? All right? And I've seen this happen. And this is one of the things. We're a church that we embrace the prophetic. We allow people to come up and say, Thus of the Lord. You know God's saying this, I feel this, we trust that over people. But you must understand that prophetic words, visions, dreams, all of that is of lesser authority than your convictions, alright? And revelations should confirm a conviction, alright? And if it doesn't, you shouldn't do anything based on revelation until it confirms uh, a conviction, uh, he wants us, you know, I have it in my notes, why would God do this? And then the next line is, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, why would God tell Paul one thing and then through the Holy Spirit tell him another thing? It's happened several times in the Old Testament. You know, when, uh, one prophet got killed because of it. And I, think, I think it's because, you know, God first of all, God's not a machine, and God does not want us, he does not desire mechanical types of DVDs doesn't want to just do this, okay, I'll do this, do that, okay, I'll do this, okay, okay, you know, he doesn't want just sort of this mechanical type of obedience, he wants a relationship, and he wants you to hear him and be convinced and go forward, and you need discernment, because some people, I mean, revelations, you have to know how to handle them in a way that's healthy, or else you will be misled, about how God leads. Okay, so, Application. Our convictions must be formed by God's objective word. Alright? That means you read God's word every day. Take a minute. Don't tell me you don't have a minute. Or five minutes. Or thirty minutes. Now it's different for everybody. Uh, get into God's word. Get, get into God's objective word. Meditate on his word. Think about what it dig deeper, find out, learn how to study God. Uh, uh, get a good, general understanding of the whole Bible, of each section of the Bible, in each book of the Bible. So if someone asks you, what, what's at, you know? considering something like changing career or having a relationship with you should be able to find places in God's Word that talk about that, or at least be able to find out where you can go to find Scripture that speak on that subject. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, often we demand a revelation before doing the will of the Lord out of a desire to just keep the status quo. All right? And we can't expect God to perform something supernatural to make us do something that he's told us clearly to do and something that should be done out of, a rough, out of a conviction. All right, And by demanding revelation, we're really trying to twist God's arms. And you know what? I've learned that God doesn't like... people trying to twist his arms. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, God uses revelation, and those are appropriate... But you need to balance it with conviction. Okay, let's see here. And as this happened, Jesus, uh, let me just read for this uh, portion of Mark, chapter 8, verse 11. Um, it says, the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. So, but Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. So the Pharisees wanted another sign. I don't know how they could ask for another sign. he been healing people all over the city. Doing all kinds of miracles, but they were always asking for a sign. And Jesus sighed deeply. You know? Nice Jesus. Wonder what it sounded like. (sighs) Give me a good deep sigh. (sighs) And said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I tell you, no know, sign shall be given to this generation. So, anyway, if you're trying to be led by God, ask yourself is demanding a revelation or a big sign, will this cause Jesus to side deeply in his spirit? Really? Look at the scriptures. Is this something that's just a conviction? Now, that's different than if God, now, God often have a conviction, and God will confirm that conviction with a revelation. But we don't demand signs for something that should be done out of conviction. But we allow to be led supernaturally along with the conviction. Uh, The key is allow your convictions to be formed by the word of God. Respect those convictions. Work out your own salvation because God works in you the power to do it. So that's all part of working out. Being led by your convictions. Having those convictions being formed by God's Word and acting on them, taking into consideration revelation. So, I have an illustration to go with the revelation. Yes. I have a revelation. thought of yesterday. I had a revelation of an illustration. And so I went to Lowe's. <laughs> so, if Learning how God leads is kind of like a three-legged uh, table. And revelation would be one of those legs. Alright? God showed me a time, I had a dream, I had a prophetic word. Uh-huh. And and I can't kind of, think about this five times. Like, you know, the bigger the the revelation, like think of it the taller the you know, leg, Alright? So I mean some people have like open visions and and uh You know, hearing God's voice all the way. So it's like, really, like, wow, that's pretty incredible. All right? Well, that's a revelation. But you know what? I mean, you might be able to balance something for a minute on a revelation, but it certainly can't hold much weight. right? But if you add to that conviction, if that revelation confirms a conviction Now, you may not have a table or a stool, but you can certainly, you know, lean against it a bit, right? Now lean on it this way, so it can hold a little more weight, and it's a little more stable, with two, Revelation and conviction. and next week I'll talk about the third list.